Hello, this is Technology Corner for the week of September 10th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. First up this morning, Type It For Me, a program for Macs. So if you're not a Mac user, the next few minutes won't be of great interest to you, but if you are a Mac user, pay attention. Type It For Me has been around for a while. Programmer Ricardo Atore has added some nifty new features in the process of rewriting the application so that it will run on the new Macs, the Intel-based Macs, as well as the now older Macs. In the process of doing that, he moved it from the international keyboard area to a place where it just runs in the background. The program is, by definition, a keystroke expander, which means that you type, for example, BBL, and what appears on your screen is Bill Blinn. Now, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but I found it fairly useful. Also, if you have a standard close for a letter, for example, you could assign to the letters CLZ, as in close, this sequence of characters. Best regards, comma, Return, 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 return. William F. Blinn, comma, Technoid, return, William Blinn Communications. That's a lot of characters to type with just a single abbreviation. The new version gives you the ability to paste in formatted text and even images. This is a major improvement over the previous version. And Type It For Me knows when to convert something from your abbreviation to your expanded text by paying attention to trigger keys. Ricardo calls them them trigger keys because whenever you press one of those keys, Type It For Me takes a look at what you've just recently typed to see if perhaps there's an abbreviation there. The trigger keys by default are a space and a return. To that, I have added the exclamation point, period, a colon, a semicolon, a question mark, and a tab. I could also add the pound sign, the dollar sign, the percent sign, the ampersand, any of uh, various single and double quotes, the plus sign, an asterisk, an equal sign, comma. Oh, I should probably add a comma. In fact, I have just added a comma. Uh, Hyphen, underscore, Open and close parenthesis, any of the uh, various bars, brackets, and the at sign. This is a very versatile program. Another neat feature in this new version, and one that is turned off by default, is the ability for Type It For Me to include both singular and plural words in the same definition. For example, I might have an abbreviation, BKM, that would expand to bookmark. Now, under the old version, if I also wanted to have bookmarks, I'd have to have BKMS that would then expand to bookmarks. So two definitions. With the new version, you have a single definition, BKM, and if you happen to type BKMS, then type it for me will do the expansion and include the S at the end of the word. So BKMS will be bookmarks, BKM will be bookmark. If you're a user of Microsoft Word, you already know about the autocorrect feature, and probably you find that to be pretty helpful. If, for example, you type T-E-H, 
word will automatically change it to T-H-E because it knows that T-E-H isn't a word, you know, unless you go in and turn off that particular autocorrect. But what happens if you're typing in a web form? Or what happens if you're typing in an application that doesn't have autocorrect? Well, of course, it doesn't work. That's the neat thing about Type It For Me. It works with any application that's running on the machine. One word that my fingers seem to always want to misspell is the word hospital. Instead of typing H-O-S-P, I seem to want to type H-O-P-S. So I get a hopsital. I know that. So all I have to do is create a definition in Type It For Me that has the abbreviation hopsital that is then expanded to hospital. Anytime I type the word wrong, it's immediately replaced with the right word. If you've created a lot of autocorrect settings in Microsoft Word, once you're a registered user of Type It For Me, you can request a Visual Basic for Applications script from Ricardo Atore. That will convert all of your MS Word autocorrect entries into the Type It For Me format, saving you a lot of work. If you're a programmer, you can use it to set up constructs for various kinds of applications. For example, you might write a lot of functions in JavaScript. Type It For Me could, with a two or three character abbreviation, expand to function, space, open and close parents, return, and then open and close brackets. And once it's finished with that, it could plant the cursor back after the word function so that you could fill in the name of the function. Type it for me will save you a lot of keystrokes and maybe a little bit of time. Is this worth $27 to you? If you're a new user, that's what you'll pay for it after the trial period. However, if you have a previous version, you upgrade for $9. And if you bought it after July 1st of 2005, the upgrade is free. Previously, the program had a limit of 2,700 abbreviations. That's probably not one that a lot of people ran into. The new version has no limit on the number of abbreviations, and any given abbreviation can contain up to 32,000 characters. You'll find a link to the Type It For Me website on the Technology Corner website. That's www.techbiter.com. Onward now to wireless networking. Several years ago, I installed a little wireless network at the house and discovered that it didn't work very well. The range was extremely limited, so I uninstalled that and went back to wired connections. Well, the bug bit me again, and on the Labor Day weekend, I noticed that Circuit City had a Netgear wireless router on sale for less than $40. So I took a quick drive over to Circuit City and bought the Netgear router. Nice little unit. The first thing I noticed is that there was a label covering the ports on the back of the router, and it said, Insert CD First. That seemed pretty insistent, so that's what I did. The CD examined my setup and told me that I already had a live Internet connection. It guessed that I didn't have an existing router, but I told it that I did. Once it knew that, it examined the situation a little more and suggested how I could go about installing the new router. I actually wanted to add this router onto the existing router to provide additional ports in addition to the wireless capability, but the setup program told me that that was going to be 
difficult and that I might have some problems and suggested a better way to do it would be just to replace the existing router with the new one. So I gave it permission to do that. It then thought for a little while. It asked me a few questions. It suggested reasonable but not always correct answers. And then it showed me the default settings it proposed. The default SSID was Netgear. I decided that that should be something more private. If you have a Netgear router, the SSID is automatically going to be Netgear. If you have a Linksys router, it's automatically going to be Linksys. That should always be changed. It should be changed to something that makes it something you will recognize, but not necessarily something that someone driving down the street listening for wireless signals would be able to figure out. It also suggested that I choose the WPA PSC security measure. I did that. That provides the most security currently. Along the way, it asked me to specify a password for the router's administrative user. And that's another thing. Getting to the router's setup page. In the past, you had to do that by providing an IP address. Well, very few people can remember IP addresses. So Netgear provides what looks like a standard URL, http colon slash slash www.routerlogin.com. And what the router does as traffic flows through it, it looks for that sequence of characters coming from your computer. When it finds that sequence of characters, it takes you, instead of to a website, to the setup panel on your router. Clever. But back to the setup procedure. It took less than 15 minutes. Even someone with no experience at all would easily have this set up in less than half an hour. In less than 15 minutes, I had a working wired connection and a working wireless connection with security. That's a huge change from the wireless network I set up several years ago. And then I discovered something else. What I discovered is that in the process of doing the setup, the Netgear setup program actually examined all of the settings in the existing router and replicated those in the new router. I have a range of IP addresses that I consider static. I have another range of IP addresses that I consider dynamic. And I have a printer that is assigned to one of those static addresses. All of that was automatically taken care of. And all this got me to thinking about what's the state of Wi-Fi out here in the suburbs. A couple of years ago, I picked up a Canary wireless sniffer. This is a handy little device to carry around. You take it out of your bag, push the button, and it tells you whether it's hearing any Wi-Fi signals. And if it does, whether the signal is open, closed, encrypted, it's a great saver of time. I remember one time in Penn Station, I went into a Starbucks assuming that there would be wireless connectivity there. And even though you pay for the wireless connectivity in a Starbucks, I figured it was fair for me to buy one of their cups of burnt coffee. So I did that, sat down, unpacked the notebook computer, turned it on, no Wi-Fi. That was one store that just didn't have it at that time. So there I was with a cup of burnt coffee and no Wi-Fi. Had I had the Canary wireless device with me at that time, I could have pushed a button, discovered there was no signal there, and gone on to get some real coffee somewhere else. 
around the neighborhood, I can also use it to see what signals are active out there. The last time I did this, and this was a couple of years ago, I found several connections that had the standard router SSID and were open. Bad thing to do. Things have improved. Here's what I found in my neighborhood, this time with what I can hear from my computer room. I found an SSID Linksys. It was on channel 6. It's secure. I found my own, I'll call it Bullwinkle, on channel 11. Secure. I found one I'll call K&K on channel 11, and it was secure. I found one I will call 3Wire999 on channel 6, and it was secure. And I found one more with a router ID, Belkin 54G, on channel 11, and also secure. That's good news. People finally are getting security. I've mentioned SSID several times. What the heck is that? SSID is a service set identification. It's a 32-character, at most, alphanumeric key that identifies a local area network. So Linksys or Belkin 54G or Bullwinkle, those are all SSIDs. If your wireless access point offers the choice of PSK, make sure that's what you use. Anything less than that isn't really secure. And in 2003, Barb Bowman on Microsoft's website described the advantages that this new security system has. I'm not going to read what she wrote, but you can read it on the Technology Corner website, www.techbiter.com. In nerdly news, I found a new way to battle spam this week, Magic Mail Monitor. This is a neat little program. Hadn't run into it before. It's an application developed by one of those former Soviet bloc programmers. Apparently, he figured he could uh, make his uh, millions on that, and turned out not to be the case, so it's now been released as an open-source application that's being maintained by somebody else. But this looks like a real winner. In the past, I've recommended GoodbySpam.com, even though it costs about $40 a year. And I also use Kier's K9 product on my computer. It's a good application that is pretty good at spotting spam. But the problem there is you have to download every message. For me, that's a problem because I receive a lot more spams than I receive legitimate messages. And particularly if I'm traveling, the download time is excessive. I'd much rather be able to examine just the headers on the server and then be able to delete anything that appears to be spam without having to download it. That was the advantage that Goodbye Spam gave me, although its server is sometimes a little questionable. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it isn't. I had to keep working around those problems. Probably the real key to catching spam for me is Spam Assassin, which runs on the server. Many ISPs are offering Spam Assassin now. If yours does, it would be a good thing to enable. You can have Spam Assassin code all messages with some sort of mark in the subject line. I use an asterisk, an S, and another asterisk. It's small enough, and it's unique. When there's a message like that, I know that it's assumed to be spam. This past Friday night to Saturday morning, I received about 100 messages overnight. After taking a quick look at them in Magic Mail Monitor and realizing that all but about a dozen were spam, I killed all of the spams on the server, downloaded just the 12 or so that I wanted, 
It's free, it's easy, it's effective. If it sounds like something you'd like to try, there's a link on the Technology Corner site, www.techbiter.com, and you can get to it from there. Oh, I am so excited. I can now watch television on my computer. I am just so excited. Sitcoms on the computer. And by the way, sitcom. I always used to think that stood for situation comedy, but a friend of mine told me that it actually means sitcomatose. And the more I think about it, the more I think he's right. Okay, so I'm coming at television from a little bit different point of view than probably most people. As far as I'm concerned, it's not bad enough that your television spews that mindless, inane crap into your home. And now the computer is going to do the same thing, and you can even pay to have this stuff delivered right to your computer. Amazon.com has launched a digital video downloading service called Unbox. So if you're a sucker for that, you can download TV shows for a buck ninety-nine. If you're paying attention, that's a penny less than $2 an episode. But a dollar ninety-nine, of course, looks like less. P.T. Barnum was right. You can download movies for fifteen bucks. Uh, well, it's fourteen ninety-nine, or you can rent them for three ninety-nine. Uh, well, that's like also four dollars. Amazon says that Unbox is the only video download service that offers DVD quality downloads and has thousands of DVD quality videos for more than thirty movie and TV studios. Okay, so maybe the movie ideas are right. If you're interested, it's uh, www.unbox.com. Try a free sample from one of the studios. Unbox has offerings from 20th Century Fox, Warner Brothers, CBS, Fox, Nickelodeon, MTV, and Comedy Central. Today it's Windows only, but an Apple version is in the works. Well, I'm really not that surly, and I do occasionally watch television. Thanks for listening. This has been Technology Corner for the week of September 10th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. You can also send me an email from there. Bye-bye.